We will check in with insider Mike Fisher, as usual, to discuss that, as well as many other things happening around the Valley Ranch headquarters, including this week's surprising media shutdown of sorts. And co-host Keith Mullins will once again join us to discuss that quarterback topic, as well as other things. And most notably, we're going to start to get a grip on exactly what faces the Cowboys this offseason. So it's been a rough road for Cowboys fans, probably a lot rougher for the players, but fans don't really care about that. Fans think of it as, what is this team doing to me? And you can't be really upset about that. Fans buy merchandise. Fans buy tickets. Fans buy DirecTV Sunday ticket. If fans weren't doing all of these things as a collective, there would be no million-dollar salaries to complain about. So I'm all in when it comes to fans having the perspective that things revolve around them. But when it comes to on the field, the players obviously have no care about what the fans are thinking or about how things impact the fans. That's for front offices to consider. One of the things that we've harped on is the fact that the front office did not consider the correct things. This week, the Cowboys have released Tyler Patman and in other NFL news, former Cowboy Christian Michael had just re-signed with the Seattle Seahawks. So if you're doing the math, of course, the Seahawks basically got a free pick out of the Dallas Cowboys because of lack of foresight in the offseason, the Cowboys were forced to trade for Christian Michael in anticipation of what was coming down the pike for Joseph Randall. Now, a lot of times people will hear that a player is getting suspended and hear about the you know, the uh, the appeal process and so on and so forth. But from what I understand, teams are made aware of a player's impending suspension and the appeals process oftentimes will play out prior to the suspension being announced. In other words, the appeal process already happened. If that was the case with Joseph Randall, then the timing of the Cowboys trade for Christian Michael makes even more sense. But let's not act as if we're surprised that the Cowboys running back situation was found to be wanting. We all thought they were going to draft somebody in the draft. They did not do that. And despite the spin that Jerry Poppins gave, Jerry Jones, owner, the Cowboys were missing integral pieces of a running back by committee. It was further worsened by the fact that they had no idea what they were getting out of Darren McFadden because of his hamstring injuries in camp, which to that I say, what a shocker that Darren McFadden was injured because it's not as if his history in Oakland, wait a minute, yeah, it was. His history in Oakland was littered with injury situations. So they got caught with their pants down as far as the run game. And as I was saying on Twitter with my good friend Landon McCool, It's an amazing testament to the Cowboys' offensive line that they were able to shift from a ZBS game of which Bob Sturm has pointed out so beautifully, Darren McFadden sucks at, of which we knew before we even signed him and was part of the reason why I was so anti-McFadden. But they shifted to a power man scheme 
that fits what Darren McFadden does, and he has been prolific. Now, McFadden had a huge game on Sunday against Green Bay, primarily at the hands of the running lanes that the offensive line gave him. On one of the two runs, there was a move that he put on after he got to the second level. But for the most part, the work was done by the offensive line creating these huge running lanes. And again, that's a testament to what they do because they spent the entire preseason focusing on zone blocking. They spent all of last year running zone blocking. But here they are with a guy that can't run in the ZBS scheme, and they switched gears literally overnight during the bye week. And the Cowboys still have a top 10 yards per carry average in the NFL. Opposing fans want to talk about, yeah, I thought anybody could run behind Dallas's offensive line. Did you see who Darren McFadden was before he got to, to Dallas? For them to be averaging 4.4 yards a carry with guys that are up until today no longer in the league, cast-offs from Cleveland and Robert Turbin, yeah, the offensive line is exactly what we thought it was when it comes to road grading. But they'll need it back in the offseason. And it doesn't have to come from the draft. There are a couple guys. We'll put some articles up on Cowboys HQ in the next week or two. There are some guys that will be available in free agency for about the same price as what they got Darren McFadden for. They'll have to explore that as well as numerous other positions. So why even wait to get into this discussion? Let's first jump on with our man Mike Fisher and find out the latest and greatest from the ranch. And then my man Mullins is going to come in and we'll talk about all of this offseason goodness. Be right back. To our favorite segment of this show It is time for Hook, Line, and Sinker With the Fish The one and only Cowboys insider Mike Fisher joins us here on Cowboys Prime Time Fish, how are you doing, my man? Outstanding, sir This is the first time that we've had to talk Because we, we didn't have the podcast last week So this is the first time That we had a chance to talk Since we met in person At the, uh, at the famous Parlay Sports Lounge In D.C. when the Cowboys were in town And got their what hopefully won't be their last victory of the season over the Washington Redskins. Or maybe Redskins. hopefully will be. Maybe hopefully yeah, will the, be. There you go, depending <laughs> on perspective. Yeah. According to Jason Garrett, it hopefully won't be, but according to a lot of draft picks, hopefully they get as high as draft pick as possible. And we're going to touch on that in a second. But for all of those out there that are listening, that you hear him on 105.3 The Fan, the updates, you hear him on this podcast, you follow him on Twitter, Fish is the real deal, ladies and gentlemen. Fish held court in that bar telling stories that we can't repeat on air, but it was just a fantastic time meeting you in person. And I have to say, it is my pleasure to join on the podcast with you once again. Well, it's funny. And, uh, and I've, I've explained this to people who 
it takes them a second to get it, but it's like you and me are best friends, but we we've only met once. <laughs> right. <laughs> and by the way, by the time we were done with that celebration, and we'll do it again, obviously next year, and and I should I should plug this at the Maverick Bar in uh, in Carrollton, that happens all the time where. I just, you know, people come up to me and say, aren't you, are, are you fish? And away we go. And we, we talk cowboys and mavericks and whatever. But, uh, the turnout there was great at parlays and, um, and the passion that, that cowboy fans have is unmatched. And that's, that's not an opinion. That's a fact. That's 100%. We had local fans from the DC market. We had fans that were in town from Texas from the game. And it was just all around a great time. And but a couple media have- guys I don't know if and you noticed this, but a couple guys. media guys snuck in too, uh, and yep. uh, and coattailed on on the uh, the Drummond and Fish bar tabs. That was, and that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, man. Every, every everybody's welcome, and uh, m- much love to my man Mikey, who runs Parlay DC. He's the owner there. Oh yeah. Uh, he he's had a couple Cowboys bars in the area, and he's just he, he he's top notch as well, and as, as well as all of the uh, the fans that that. that, that but now the topic of conversation has to move on to what is going on with the Cowboys and following the game in Green Bay, another hideous offensive uh, exhibition. Many Cowboys fans want to know why we aren't seeing Kellen Moore and true to form Jason Garrett with the team not being eliminated yet has come out and said, no question about it. He said it early in the week, Matt Castle is still the starter. So I have my own opinion on why this is the case and whether or not this is a good idea, but I would like to hear your perspective as somebody that deals with these guys on a daily basis. Yeah, Linehan um, laid this out pretty nicely, I thought, today, uh, on what day is today? Wednesday? Thursday? What is it Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah, it's Wednesday. <laughs> uh, he said they sat down on Monday morning and they started their evaluation and and they you know, they went they went down position by position and they said there, there's no need to make a change at quarterback because that's not the problem that can be fixed by changing personnel. And I, I don't know that they're wrong, but Kellen Moore can't be, and, and I'm not a, listen, I'm a fan of pedigree. You, you and I have discussed this before. Yeah. Um, six, five, six, five, 260 runs up four, five, 40 and scored a 36 on the Wonderlick and, also played, uh, was drafted as a baseball player and can throw a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. That's, that's what I want at quarterback. And, and he was in the Navy and fought in the war and won the war. <laughs> All, the, All those good you know? things. And, and so, so pedigree matters. And pedigree most of the time is right. And there's, you know, there's exceptions. Tony Romo is an exception. Cowboys really did go position by position, guy by guy, and said, how can we be better than we were in Green Bay and determine that Kellen Moore is not better? And you know what? If a Scott Linehan-led or partially-led staff decides that Kellen Moore is not better, then, then I guess he's not better because there is no bigger fan of Kellen Moore in the world than Scott Linehan. Now, right. maybe the Cowboys fall behind by a million against the Jets on Saturday, and then everybody gets to see their precious Kellen but I keep stressing, and I do this on the fan now every day for weeks. I go, we're we're so we're so quarterback obsessed because that's the way the casual fan is anyway. What about right tackle? I don't want to see Kellen Moore more than I want to see Chaz Green. True that. 
Kellen Moore's never going to start here. Uh, Kellen Moore's never going to be a starting NFL quarterback. Right. Never, ever, ever. But, but Chaz Green is. Uh, Kellen Moore is never going to be a starting NFL quarterback, but Bryce Butler might be. I talked to somebody in the Cowboys organization today that said, who said, don't, you know, don't be alarmed because we haven't, because he keeps not showing up in the 46. We, we really do think Bryce Butler can play. And, you know, I want to see, I want to see Ben Molina at some point, as much as I want to see Kellen Moore. It's, it's just as important. So once the Cowboys are officially eliminated, I think we'll see some of these other bodies, but not just the quarterback, other guys too. Yeah, and it's interesting that people have this. Obviously, in every town across America, the backup quarterback is always the most popular. And when you Absolutely. have a situation, when you have a situation where he's basically your fourth-string quarterback, and the third-string quarterback that you have is playing horrendously, people are saying, "Let's make the change just for change's sake." But for me, my impression is that the true evaluation for Kellen Moore can't come in these games. And that's counterintuitive to what we believe about the fact that practice doesn't in any way, shape, or form resemble the being in the line of fire. But Kellen Moore, for him to stick and be a part of the Dallas Cowboys future plans, needs an offseason in this version of Scott Linehan's offense. Because it's not the same that he ran. Right, how about this, though? How about this back at you? Uh, Matt Castle didn't get an offseason either. If, no, if Matt Castle and Kellen Moore both got an offseason, Matt, Matt Castle would win. I'm right? pretty positive that would be the case. However, he, but, but Matt yes, Castle but yes, seems he, to be regressing. Right. Matt Castle, was in, I said Matt Castle was terrible in Tampa Bay, and he was worse in Green Bay. Right. Maybe, maybe bays just aren't his thing. Uh, Maybe you know, the people NFL know that I'm a <laughs> yeah. You know I'm a Des guy, and and so I I understand when people think I'm a Des apologist. But if you understand the timing that has to exist between a quarterback and a receiver, by the time you've thrown a bunch, by the time you've started a couple of games now, throwing the ball to me and it's ten feet high and ten feet wide, I our timing's a little bit off. Right. That's why Des. That's why Des dropped. Passes, ensuing passes in that game. Again, this is an excuse. This is not an excuse. This is the reason. By the time that I don't I have no idea where you're going to deliver the ball to me, I have I have less of an idea how I'm going to catch it. That's mm. what happened in Green Bay. To De- that's the biggest thing that happened to Dez in Green Bay. And I, I I'm I look forward because the the Cowboys are going to lose to the Jets. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. And and then once that happens, and then Sunday happens, now will they be officially eliminated yet? Not necessarily, I guess, huh? Yeah, because right? the teams that the Eagles are facing, uh, the Eagles are facing Arizona, and the Giants are facing Carolina, the top two seeds in the NFC. They're most likely going to lose too. So it's really right. not. We're really not going to be put out of our misery this week. I, I doubt yeah, it. So but. this right. So these last rights. Are, are being read in slow motion. Yeah, exactly. But they will be read. The Cowboys aren't winning three straight games. It, it, they're not, they're not, the Cowboys aren't winning at Buffalo. Buffalo's good, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I think. I think they are. I think Buffalo's 
explosive on offense and sound on defense, and the Cowboys aren't either, really. And uh, and and so you know, get the toe tag ready as far as I'm concerned, and I don't take any glee in that. Um, but I but I am excited like you are about okay, let's let's hurry up and and get to the sixth overall pick in the draft, which is what we're looking at, maybe right. Yeah, right now we're in the sixth position, and I firmly believe that we'll lose the next two games and then beat Washington, and instead of being the, the number three pick, we'll fall back to the sixth or seventh. That that adds up now. Let me ask you this. Organizationally, and, and my feeling on, on losing on purpose is well-documented. I, I think it's cancerous. Yes. I, I, think, I think it can be a poison that spreads throughout the system and is a, takes a long time to get rid of. Exactly. People always go, what, what, what about the Colts without Peyton Manning? And then they go, what about the Spurs without David Robinson? I said, yeah, that's two of them. That's two examples in the last 50 years. Now give me a third. So, so it, that scares me a little bit, but if the if the difference between the third overall pick and the sixth overall pick is is one game, boy, am I playing Kellen Moore, and I might even tell him to throw the ball left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> but only for one game. And I'm playing Ben, and I'm activating Ben Molina, and and uh, I I I can't tell. Dez and Sean Lee, I could tell Tyrone Crawford to take it off. To take the, I, I could tell him that because he's not in good shape. Right. But I can't tell Dez and Sean Lee, or actually, they're perfectly fine. I, I don't I don't know how I tell them that. You can't. So not those not not those kind of so guys. Either. Not those type of. I don't think so players. either. No. Right. And you know, uh, if if you're gonna fold to tense, you. you you, you're going to tell, tell Tyron Smith, really? Don't that we're going to. What are we going to do? We're going to pretend you're hurt. Can't right. do that. So, um, organic tanking. That that's that would be the best thing for the Cowboys right now. Short of making the playoffs, making the playoffs is the best thing. And and people laugh at the concept, but I still want to make the playoffs if I can. I still will take my chances if I can because. Um, you're not guaranteed to make the playoffs next year or the year after that or the year after that or the year after that. So if I get a chance to make the playoffs, I'm taking that chance. I just don't think the Cowboys have much of one. Right. Now, the Cowboys don't have much of a chance to make the playoffs, but that hasn't stopped them from making roster moves, and roster moves can be inspired by various trains of thought. So walk me through the release of Tyler Patman that happened earlier this week. It kind of caught a lot of people by surprise. Uh, Patman played 47 out of the 87 defensive snaps on this past Sunday. In my view, he didn't play horrifically to the point of cutting him based off of that performance. But talk to me about what you've heard or what you've gleaned out of your conversations with the, with the staff. Yeah, and this is why and where CowboysHQ.com does stuff that nobody else can do. Uh, no, nobody's written this story, and we wrote it last night at about 1 a.m., uh, it's it's forty forty twenty. The the Tyler Patman release, and by the way, you're right. You're right in this sense. Not only is it, I mean it's puzzling. It's not puzzling that Ty that that Patman would get benched, but he slid all the way from being a first unit slot corner to falling behind. Uh, um, Olatoye, 
and behind Terrence Mitchell, who's on the practice squad? He fell behind a practice squatter? How do you do that? that that's impossible. Um, but it happened because of the 40-40-20. 40% of this is, as Jason Garrett told me on the record, performance-based. And if you go look at the uh, James Starks touchdown, 13-yard touchdown, Mm-hmm. Tyler, and we've got we've got this on the on at, on this website for premium readers, dudes. It's five dollars a month, and all the questions you're answering you're asking get answered every one of yep. them for five dollars. And by the way, you get the Maverick, you get Mavericks coverage, and every other NFL team and every college program. All your questions about Notre Dame and the Longhorns and the Aggies and Texas Tech and the Browns and the Yankees, and the Bengals, and the Redskins. It's all there. Is it four ninety five? dollars 95 Is that what it is? Yep, $4.95. It's like $4.95. And you'll, and you'll already know what I'm about to tell you. The James Starks touchdown, a 13-yard wheel route, that's Tyler Patman's man. And not only does he not cover him, he runs the wrong way. He runs, mm. he runs east when his man is running – West, and I'm not saying that that it was one play that did him in, but there's 40% of it. Tyler Patman performance. He's he's the Cowboys coaching staff doesn't think he's been very good in terms of taking advantage of plays. Think of the drop interception. Then there's right. 40% effort, and I'm pointed to the the Eddie Lacy 24-yard touchdown run. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. And go and go back and look at Patman on that play where he's kind of dancing out of getting blocked and then he gets blocked and then he kind of stands there and then he assumes somebody else is going to make the tackle then he stands there again this is the what sources this is the only part of this story that the other media outlets have matched us in the, the physicality thing the cowboys kind of whispered to a bunch of us there was a lack of physicality and my initial response is well he's 5'10 187 what do you want him to do but then I then but then somebody told me go watch the Eddie Lacy run and then I saw it. He mm-hmm. he he barely tried. But then there's the twenty percent and this is the most fascinating percent. This is the jimmyfication of this move. This part of this move was to send a message. Part of this move was Jason Garrett and he won't ever say this and he's gonna go ahead and live with the fact many of his critics thinks think he's a wussy who is the antithesis of Jimmy Johnson, when in fact he is the son of Jimmy Johnson. He is the son of Tom Coughlin. He is the son of Nick Saban, and he's the son of Jim Garrett. Jim Garrett, who I believe was coaching in the Ivy League and lost his job because he got physical with a player. And Jim Garrett was like a 1,000 years old at the time. (laughs) This idea that Jason Garrett's not a tough guy is so asinine to anybody that knows the man. So he made a tough guy move here. He he took he found somebody who was failing at their job, forty percent failing uh, uh, effort, forty percent failing in terms of execution, and then locked down the other twenty percent and said, "We're we're, we're going to send a message to the other sixty-two guys in the room. Who wants to be here? We're, we might go four and twelve. Who still wants to try to be their best? And that is that that's a Jimmy-esque." Move now, KD on Twitter. I've got slapdicks coming to me and saying, "So you're comparing Jason Garrett to Jimmy?" Uh, no, I'm saying that Jason Garrett 
is part of the Jimmy Johnson, Tom Coughlin, Nick Saban, Jim Garrett family tree. And this is what they all do, and Jason Garrett just did it. Don't let your preconceived notions about Jason Garrett being some sort of a wussy cloud what just happened. He just made a roster move to send a message. Who really wants to come here and fight? And that's why Tyler Patman's no longer here. And it, it makes so much sense if you sit down and think about the mechanics of a football week. These guys that are on the team are sitting down in a, def- in a defensive meeting reviewing the tape of what happened. And what does yep. it say if you're sitting there looking at the tape and watching Tyler Patman give no effort? Because I hadn't noticed those plays until you brought them up. Nope. But what are Me you neither. doing if you're, study- if you're studying film and you're in the room watching Tyler Patman run the wrong direction on a touchdown and then give no effort on a second touchdown, and then he's still there the next day. That is what and, and team giving up. Yeah. And if you've ever played football, even at the, at the little league level, you know this feeling. Because if you're Marcus Lawrence, go, again, go watch the play where it's complete bust on Patman. And number 90 is busting his ass to catch up with James Starks. He's got no chance. So, so they're sitting in the film room, and somebody like Demarcus Lawrence is going, man, I, I, it wasn't even my guy, but I'm trying. And meanwhile, Tyler Patman, and, and we should say this too, I'm not picking on Tyler Patman. It's, you know, he's, he's not a terrible football player, not at all. He just, he just had a bad game and has not had as good a season as they wanted him to have, and it was time to curve in Richard somebody. And there's this mythical Jimmy. And I, I must say, I get, you know, this is my old, this is my only, like, old man thing that I do. When people <laughs> go, well, Jimmy would have. And I, I, I want to stop on Twitter and go, son, I was there. I'm looking at your avatar. You're 20 years old. You don't know what Jimmy would have done. Right. I lived with Jimmy Johnson every day for five years. I lived with him. I, 364 days a year. So literally. Uh, I, I, there's, there's no, I wrote a book about it. Don't tell me what Jimmy Johnson would have done. I knew what Jimmy Johnson was doing before he knew he was doing it. This, this is, this isn't to say that Garrett is like Jimmy or as good as Jimmy. This isn't to say that Tyler Patman is as bad as John Roper or as bad as Kervin Richards or, or as good as them. This is, this is a message sent that's part of this, and you either trust my 32 years covering the NFL and 26 years covering the Cowboys, or you don't. You choose. Yeah, I, I honestly had to come full circle because I was shocked at the release. Uh, I even went right. back and, and got a chance to watch uh, the first half, which means that I didn't get to the second half to see those touchdown runs, and I was like, there's really nothing egregious here out of what uh, Patman did. And then I read the article, and I'm like, okay, well, yeah, now I get it. Uh, and, KD, listen, the, let's say this, too. This, this can add to your, to your puzzlements. So Terrence Mitchell's better? Terrence Mitchell's going to be the spot. He's, he's not even on the active roster yet the last time I checked. As we speak, he's not. Right. No, they he's haven't moved squad. But he's, so, so there's somebody that's not even on the roster as we speak who is going to semi-start on Saturday night. And Terrence Mitchell might get his ass kicked. He might have not the slightest idea what he's doing, but that's the time of year and that's the place that the Cowboys are in. 
they're, they're going to find out if Terrence Mitchell wants to be well, – how does Jason Garrett like to say? Be your best no matter the circumstances. Right. Be your best no matter the circumstance. But Tyler Patman didn't do that. Now we're going to see if Terrence Mitchell can. Maybe we'll see if uh, – I, I, I hope uh, uh, Olatoya is active because I really like him as a person. I've talked to him a bunch of times. I, he, he seems like a sharp cat. Let's find out. I asked Brian Broaddus the other day. I said, you watch film of him in Kansas City. How do you look? He goes, oh, I don't know. Well, okay, listen, if Brian Broaddus doesn't know, <laughs> then, then, then none of us know. So let, let's activate him, and pretty soon let's activate Bryce Butler. Uh, let, let's, 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 start, let's start seeing, as soon as the, the Cowboys are legitimately officially out of it, let's start seeing who wants to be best no matter the circumstances. All right, now let's move on before we let you go to talk about who couldn't be their best. We know about the changes with Tyler Patman. Obviously, we know there's no changes at the quarterback position. But talk to me about the injury report and who might be missing or who might be more injured than it appears in in, in the vein yeah. of seeing some of these other guys start to get a chance. Yeah, before we get to the tempest in a teapot uh, media yeah. controversy, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Demarcus Lawrence has a has a chest injury they haven't said exactly what it is maybe it's a contusion or something like that um but he's working he's fine Mo Claiborne they're trying to be careful with with the hamstring but he'll be fine uh Rolanda McLean is not yet thumb totally thumbs up with the concussion uh it's hoped that uh that he'll be fine on Saturday those are the three injury jump outs gotcha all right yeah now let's deal with this whole media rules that came out or leaked out or was leaked by a not so happy member, and it was funny because the person who the person who leaked it doesn't even go to the ranch on a regular basis, as far as I know. Um, well, yeah. But, so talk talk to me about what this whole mess is constituting. Okay, here's what happened on last Friday. Um, yeah, innocuously, I mean, not not trying to create a problem. A media member tweeted out the details of a cowboy fake punt. And um and we're not we're not supposed to do that. It's an unwritten rule. Uh and if you've been around for a long time you know it. And in the case of this young man who's a fine you know, he's not he's not some jackass. He right. he just he either wasn't really aware of of the unwritten rule or but just you know, it's just it's just unthinking. And he tweeted out the details. Well, the Cowboys coaching staff got wind of it and just was livid. And uh, totally, you know, for anybody that doesn't get this, totally understandable. You, as you know, KD, you can work all year on a fake punt for the purpose of using it in week, you know, 14 against Green Bay. Right. You can be working on it all year, all, all that time and all that brain power and all that – for just for one moment in one game in December, tweets about it. <laughs> so you can't tweet about it. That's part of the part of the trade-off. We get to watch a little bit of practice, but we have to be careful with what we say about what we see. And that's why, you know, fish tips on Twitter at Fish Sports, fish tips right at right when the ball is being kicked off is when I tweet, you know, watch out for this because then right. the Packers can't see it. The right. Packers won't know that it's coming. So that mistake was made by an otherwise fine member of the media, uh, I, but but a young fella, 
Cowboys coaching staff living. And so the, they motivate the PR department to say, shut it down. At least that's the way it appears, shut it down. And and then uh, you know, one of our colleagues who's not directly involved with covering the Cowboys decides to take the Cowboys email and make it public. Right. Well, that's not the way I would have done it. And I'll tell you the way I did do it. Uh, our program director, the great Gavin Spittle at 105.3 The Fan, uh, represented me and contacted the Cowboys and, and talked to him about it and said, how do you want to make it work and how are we going to make it work and whatnot? Well, as I said on the air, I said, no, there's only eight. Now there's only, only practices left. Right. One, one, two, three, four, five, six, Thursday, Friday. There's only eight practices left. No, seven. There's only seven practices left. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get in a piss and match over seven practices. We'll revisit this at OTAs. It's a tempest in a teapot, especially because if you've listened to this podcast, I just told you who's starting at slot corner. How, how did we possibly do that? I just told right. you what's going on <laughs> in meetings with involving the quarterback situation. I just told you why they cut Tyler Patman. What, what else do you want to know? Nothing's changed. Uh, John Machota, who does a great job, and Mike Fisher, who does a great job. Our Twitter accounts, our Twitter accounts will not have video of guys doing stuff at practice. That's what's changed. Nothing else has changed. So, uh, you know, I'm a media advocate. I want us to get all the freedom and all the permissions and all the access. I, I love before I got to Dallas, Tech Schramm, When you came, when you were a reporter, you you'd go into his office, he'd give you a mimeographed list of all the players and coaches' home phone numbers, that, that somehow you were trusted enough as part of the Cowboy Nation that K.D. Drummond would get called into Texram's office, and he'd give you Roger Staubach's phone number. Hey, if you ever need to call old Raj at home, really? Well, that's <laughs> changed. You know, that's changed, and it's understandable. I get why it's changed, but at the same time, um, as I keep saying on the radio, the how might be altered a little bit. How do I get my information? That might be altered a little bit. But the who, what, when, where, and why hadn't changed a bit. And you can see that at Cowboys HQ. You can see it on Twitter. And you can hear it in the podcast. Uh, the, um, people want to be – a couple of media guys want to be outraged, and then the national media wants to pick up on that outrage and get uh, – and, and clickbait their way to being a part of the story. There's nothing like living it every day, and I live it every day, and it had zero effect, zero change, zero impact on my day today. Here, I'll, I'll paint this picture for you. you. As you know, every day at 1130, I'm on with a practice field report with Shebag Nation on 105.3 The Fan, right? Yeah, yep. Hey, if you read the rules, I can't do that report now while I'm on the practice field. So guess what I do? I go to the practice field, watch practice for 10 minutes. Then my phone rings. It's 11:30. Then I walk walk three feet away from the practice field to do my report. What's changed? Nothing. Tempest in a teapot. You got a little and, exercise. And, and, <laughs> I got a little leg work. And and ESPN and Deadspin and everybody can can you know write their big massive editorials and all that. While they're busy writing editorials about it, I'm you know I'm I'm busy talking to Scott Linehan, asking him how they came to the decision to have Kellen Moore continue to back up Matt Castle and the information remains the information. 
And that's why our listeners love Hook, Line, and Sinker, and that is why we will never not have Fish Force on this podcast. <laughs> Bye-bye, Fish. Thank you so much for the inside info. We are always eternally grateful. And, of course, regardless of the Cowboys record, we're going to chop it up with you next week. Well, once again, uh, the, the invitation to go, just go sample it. You get a free seven-day trial uh, to, to go get the very best. Cowboys, Mavericks, and, and your, anything else you want. I mean, we've got it all. And I, I really do. I think it's the last time I checked, it was four ninety five a month. Um, it's the cost of a cup of the way too expensive Starbucks, and and all the all these things that you're wondering about the Cowboys or the Mavericks or the Redskins or the Giants or the Eagles. But we have answers. All you got to do is press a button. And along those lines, now that we're about to get into draft season, all of these college sites that have inside information on the prospects that we're that we're going to be oh. looking at. It's, yeah. it's going to be an invaluable tool. So make sure that you subscribe you to the uh, to, to the Cowboys Insider. Thank you, Fish. Thanks, brother. All right, man. Talk soon. to join us here on the show. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at Keith Deuces. Mr. Mullins, how are you doing, sir? Outstanding in every way, sir. How are you? I have no complaints except for the fact that my favorite team sucks balls. But outside of that, I'm good. The Cowboys are now 4-9. and Yeah. (laughs) The Cowboys are now 4-9, and and obviously a lot of the talk as the game proceeded against Green Bay, as the offense looked inept, was that the Cowboys on Twitter and to the everyman fan were asking why the Cowboys aren't going to go to Kellen Moore this week. And Jason Garrett came out and said, not so fast, my friend. We're sticking with Matt Castle. Now, I believe that you are in the same boat as me in your feelings about the worthiness of Kellen Moore as an NFL quarterback. But I will still give you the microphone and let you espouse on your feelings towards the situation. How are you looking at this quarterback controversy? Quote, yeah, I think, <laughs> I, I think the Kellen Moore phenomenon uh, is something that we haven't seen a lot here because the Cowboys have been blessed with a good quarterback for quite some right. time in Tony Romo. But what we're seeing is that, that phenomenon that's so well-known, which is the backup quarterback being the most popular guy in town when the starter's terrible. And, uh, and so, so here we have it. We've seen, we've seen enough of Whedon. We've seen Matt Castle. Neither one is getting it done. You know, we're seeing abysmal quarterback play, terrible conversion rates on third down, uh, all of those things, missing open guys, all of those things that lead people to think it couldn't possibly be worse with the backup, right? Um, <laughs> but it could. <laughs> it absolutely it really can. Could. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and I think that that's the part that people miss, that every time that Jason Garrett says that Castle is starting, that isn't stubbornness and refusal to see what they have in Kellen Moore, that is a commentary directly on Kellen Moore. Uh, right. <laughs> if Pat Castle is visibly better 
to every member of the you know personnel and coaching departments of the team that he plays for who live with him every day and see him every day in practice in the meeting room, if there's that big of a margin between Matt Castle and Kellen Moore, he's telling you everything you need to know about Kellen Moore each and every time they ask him the question while not directly being critical or derisive of a player, which we know that that's just not Jason Garrett's speed, right? He's not going to do it. Exactly. So um, when – and this comes up so much on Twitter. Uh, the, the, the Kellen Moore cries are out there. See what you have. See what you have. And, and I answer all of them the same way. They see it every day. And two NFL teams now in Kellen Moore's tenure and, – and you know how I feel about people saying – talking to me about how many games a college quarterback won. Uh, that it, it means absolutely nothing on Sundays, right? So, uh, so when you get to that point, everyone wants to see him. But what I'm saying is that two NFL clubs have lived with Kellen Moore every single day. Both of those clubs exposed him to the entire league. And aside from the Cowboys being desperate for a backup for Whedon when Romo went down, desperate for someone that knew Lenahan's offense, and there was one guy out there that was available in the league, Aside from the Cowboys taking advantage of that to bring Kellen Moore in and really facilitate practice, because that's what Kellen's done. Even when it looked like Romo was coming back, they kept Kellen, exposed him to the league, and the league passed again, right? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but they exposed him to the entire league to claim him, put him on the practice squad so that they could facilitate things like Romo Wednesdays, uh, because Kellen knows the offense enough. He's accurate enough where guys like Dustin Vaughn and Showers may not be to actually get your work done for the receiver group especially. Um, but they, they saw fit to take a quarterback and expose him to any other team in the league. So did Detroit. And so that just doesn't happen with even a player that they think is going to have value as a backup. So I don't think Kellen Moore is part of the future here. I, I certainly don't think he's ever an NFL starter. He lacks basic prerequisites for the position. Nice kid, pretty smart, uh, you know, uh, functional within a system as a college player in a lousy conference. But Kellen Moore isn't going to get better than he is now. This isn't something where you can expect this up into the right curve and there's some growth pattern that the Cowboys can take advantage of and once again land a franchise quarterback on the cheap, that's not what Kellen is. And so the, the future of the Dallas Cowboys at quarterback is definitively not on this roster. So I don't care if we see Kellen or not. Um, the only part of me that's changed a little bit is we've all answered the question so many times, and so has Garrett, but in his own indirect way that Garrett addresses that kind of thing, that – I'd almost like to see Kellen play so he can flame out and we never have to talk about it. And people be like, see, finally, he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They'll all come around to the realization that the coaching staff already knows, which is that this can get worse. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I don't have any interest in seeing Kellen. I think that, you know, I, I did my work on him when he was coming into the league. And then from there, there's not much work any of us can do because in his tenure in the league, he hasn't thrown an NFL pass in the regular season. Uh, we've seen him work some in Detroit against players that won't make an NFL roster and take that for what it's worth. We've seen guys become fan favorites here because of work they did in the last couple of preseason games in, in the second half against guys that are going to get cut. Obviously coaches don't value that portion of preseason games all that much. So, uh, so yeah, I think I think that it's 
it's a moot point. Um, I guess people people are clinging to anything, and and it's good. I think the one part that's good is that fans are going into that evaluation and analysis mode of this roster as reality sort of lands heavily on the backs of the Cowboys next. Um, <laughs> it has for the fan base as well, and it shows that the fans are starting to look forward. But but lightning striking twice with with getting a franchise quarterback on the cheap, it's just not going to happen. And and it's not going to happen for showers either. Um, it didn't happen for Dustin Vaughn. I mean, you can take a flyer on these late guys and see if they develop into a backup, but that's what outrageous success looks like for those guys. If Kellen Moore ever became a backup quarterback in the NFL on a regular basis, not an emergency, your starting quarterback breaks bones twice in a season situation, um, that would be outrageous success for him. Outrageous success for him does not look like I'm going to start and lead a playoff team that's a contender. It's just that's not who he is. So, so yeah, that we're, we're definitely aligned on our thoughts on, on Kellen. Um, I understand people wanting to see something different than Matt Castle, but I think the staff is telling you it's not Kellen Moore. Now, that nicely dovetails into what I really wanted to talk about with you today because uh, as our followers on Twitter, the listeners of the podcast, are fully well aware, I have pushed to the side all-season talk, much to – my personal pain, but even more so, I know it's <laughs> killing you that we haven't been talking about the offseason for the last 10 weeks, because when Roma went down, the, the, the amount of biting of your tongue that you had to do to say, man, the season's already fucking done. <laughs> it, it was amazing to watch unfold week by week, because I know how you feel about backup quarterbacks, and I, I feel very similarly that if you go to a backup quarterback for any length of time, your season is shot. We held out hope. I was front and center of that hope brigade, but we have finally reached a point to analyze what's going to happen in the offseason. So before we start diving into players available, draft picks, all of those sorts of things, we need to first evaluate where this Cowboys roster stands. So let's do a rapid-fire rundown uh, with our remaining time. Let's do a rapid-fire rundown of the positions on the Dallas Cowboys, and you tell me how – let's put a number on it. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being there's no way that they can't do something here, and 1 being if they don't do something here, I think they'll be okay next season. Let's run through each position and give it a number value of how you feel the Cowboys need to address it in the offseason. And let's start with quarterback. The quarterback position, 1 to 10, how much do they need to do something at that position? Man, I'm a <laughs> – and where I am may not be where everybody else is at, at quarterback. But – uh. But, you know, I'm, I would put it at a 7, and and here's the only reason I'd only put it at a 7 and not a 10, and, and that is that uh, I think that Matt Castle stays around as as the backup here. Um, I, obviously, Romo is plan A as the starter, even though, you know, the I think the estimates that Romo's got five seasons in him are, are grossly exaggerated, and I think it's probably closer to 20 games, spread them out how you like. Uh, but, but at any rate, uh, you know, you've got Romo, you've got your veteran backup, and I think it's at time or past time to look for the future at quarterback. And if that means a premium draft pick, that's what it means. Um, and so if 10 and a quarterback they love is staring them in the face, then I think they have to take that guy. Um, take advantage of some combination. You know, we've talked before about the Colts plan, if it was a plan, where you know Peyton gets the nerve injury and the Colts are terrible. 
and they ended up parting with Peyton. That's not happening with Romo. The finances dictate right. Romo's a cowboy next year and the year after. Right. But uh, but some combination of that of it's like a marriage of the Colts plan and the Packers plan, right? The Packers get to take Aaron Rodgers and have him serve a legitimate uh, apprenticeship, maybe a longer one than they thought because Favre kept playing the tease game. I'm retiring. I'm not retiring uh, with the Packers and with Aaron. But uh, but at any rate. You get to combine both, which essentially what it is is taking advantage of sucking, right? Um, we've heard Brian Broadus say, I only want to do this once, and I'm firmly in that camp. You only 100%. want to be this bad for one season. So I think it solves their backup quarterback job. You bring, you bring Castle back for as long as it takes until the young player is ready to at least be trusted with the number two. And then, again, how much worse could it be? Uh, so – so I think that, you know, the one case where I don't hate backup quarterbacks is when it's a kid that's going to take the job eventually. And, exactly. and in that case, give him the clipboard and let him learn this thing. Um, so at any rate, uh, the reason I only put it at a seven is this is a very thin quarterback class. My interest in this class goes exactly, and we'll talk about it in depth when we get the picks, but my interest in this quarterback class is three players long. That's the whole list. So if those three, if it breaks different, Two are gone. The one I like after round one, Carson Wentz from North Dakota State, is gone. Then they missed, and they have to address quarterback next year because there's no free agent that's going to save this. There's no, you know what I mean. So um, could they go get a different veteran than Castle? Uh, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be available whether he goes back to the Jets or not. Do they go get someone like that and try and have it be a better situation if Romo gets hurt? I, the Cowboys with Ryan Fitzpatrick get buzzed out of the playoffs even if they win the lousy division. So. Um, just my opinion, but uh, but anyways, so it's, for me, it's very high that they need to do something at quarterback. But the thing they need to do is specific. I don't think there's another veteran retread career backup that's going to make any lick of difference if Romo misses 12 or 13 games. Um, so for me, it's they address it with a premium pick or it waits till 17. I would tend to agree with you on that philosophy on pretty much everything except for the number value that you put on it. I put it as an eight and a half simply because they haven't listened to us in the past couple of years. And we've been pleading from the pulpit that they needed to get a backup quarterback into the system, a young future heir to the system into the Cowboy, into Valley Ranch, I should say, and they haven't done it. So I will not go as far as saying they should, you know, reach for a guy or take a guy just to take a guy. That's obviously the true sentiment, but it is imperative to the point that I would take if, obviously, if, if players are equally graded, you take the quarterback. If it's close and the position player is higher than the quarterback, take the freaking quarterback. But that's just me. And obviously it has to be something that they really like, as opposed to saying, oh, well, this guy is rated by, you know, most services and other teams feel he has to obviously be their guy. And we all know that there is nothing that's going to happen in the free agency market as far as a quarterback. They're not going to be interested in Robert Griffin. They're not going to be interested in, uh, you know, trading for Jay Cutler or anything like that. Uh, so those options are pretty much out the window because teams don't allow true franchise quarterbacks to hit the market. So they can look at Sam Bradford and laugh all they want to because that's not going to be an answer either once he's a shoot out of Philadelphia for whatever draft pick they get. Um, let's switch to – let's stay in the backfield and go to running back. Uh, they currently have Darren McFadden under contract for another season. I believe Turbot has a two-year deal as well. Uh, leading into next, actually, you know what? No, Turbin is a free agent in the offseason. And then they have Ben Molina on the practice squad and Rod Smith uh, that they acquired earlier. So what's your take, one to ten, on needing to get a running a new running back or two into the system? Uh, that's a rock-solid ten for me. 
I, you know, you hear Jason Garrett say that McFadden's played well for us. I still don't think uh, McFadden is ideal for what they are trying to do, what they prefer oh, to do. Oh, he's not. We've seen, right, he's yeah, not. we've seen them run a lot more man for him, um, and we've seen his his effort and his finishing of runs be up and down. Uh, but overall, he's not a fit for what they built this offensive line to do and what they want to do. Um, this offensive line, credit to them, they're talented enough to run gap power stuff or zone. But overwhelmingly, this staff made a decision to run zone because it's easier for this line to block. Mobile guys, they get to the second level with ease. And if you have the right running back, it it's the way to go, right? So so yeah. at any rate, um, they want to run zone. McFadden's not the guy. So I've said all year they don't have a running back one on the roster, uh, and they absolutely need one. They have the option of I, – I tend to think that at running back, I, I would – put enough resources toward it that I would like to see a free agent, a young one. Uh, yep. So Matt Forte, no, but, uh, <laughs> but a young guy, obviously we're going to hear the two big names. And I know we're not going to go deep into names here until free agency gets closer, but obviously everyone's talking about Lamar Miller. And I think right. that everyone's forgetting about Doug Martin and Tampa. So, oh, they better not uh, forget about Doug Martin because he, Doug Martin is about to lead the league in rushing. Exactly. He's what second right now. Right. So, uh, yep. so yeah, so Doug Martin, while he, while he dropped off, I think his drop-off uh, coincided with the quarterback and offensive line play that Tampa was experiencing, and Doug Martin seems to be back to his rookie form. Um, so, so, yeah, so those two guys are unrestricted. Do they both get out of their current situation? Not necessarily, I think. But, That's uh, a question. But, certain, but certainly Lamar, um, you know, they drafted a guy behind him who they like in, uh, in JHI. So they, they, there's a chance there. But I, I would tend to think that a veteran free agent and – a, uh, and a draft pick. And for me, this is a thinner draft class than last year. So I know that productive guys came all throughout last year's draft, but we saw the Cowboys uh, draw a line and say below that line, we don't think that guy's an immediate contributor. And so I expect they'll do the same thing. And that's probably that line's probably, again, at the top 100 picks, which is about where it was last year. So in the first three rounds, I expect a running back to come off the board for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, we thought the same thing last year, and I believe it was a mistake when they drew the line and said that none of the guys after that could make a rightful impact, especially when you're looking at, uh, you know, the people that they let go and the people that they didn't select that are making headway in the league. Uh, obviously, the big one is Thomas Rawls, who they basically graded as, like Fish likes to say, an eighth-round pick. That was their target in UDFA. They thought that they had an agreement. He changed his mind in the last minute in Seattle, and we see he's a thousand-yard rusher, even though he's now lost for the season. So the Cowboys should have uh, not stuck stuck to their rule of we're not interested in drafting the guy after the top 100. They had multiple seventh-round picks, and they should have used that on Thomas Rawls. I think it would have been a completely different season if they had somebody that fit the system the way that he does. And obviously Seattle runs uh, the, the ZBS as well. Uh, that's you know what re- resurrected Marshawn Lynch's career. Uh, one interesting name, and again, I'm, I'm breaking my own rule, but one interesting name that's over the hill or over the running back hill that I'm kind of interested in, Chris Ivory out of the Jets. He can't stay healthy worth a damn. He's too old. But I'm kind of interested to see if the Cowboys get somebody in the draft and Ivory is still out there in free agency, uh, how that combination would work. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that more as we move forward, but I'm, I'm definitely with you a 10 as far as the need. Uh, let's switch to – this is going to be a short conversation. Tight end, what's your number, 1 through 10? Uh, 1? Uh, there you go. They, All they, right. <laughs> they have a, yeah, yeah. They have an abundance of tight ends, so I, I don't Way expect 
any changes at tight end unless it's one getting released. Um, I know that they've got a contract situation to uh, to address. Um, with Jason Witten and uh, James Hanna's free. With Hanna, yeah. So, right. And, and Hanna's become an important part as a blocker on the edge. Uh, does a great job hooking guys. So, you know, Hanna, they may decide, you know, Klutz, if, could this be the year the Cowboys finally don't carry a fullback? I don't know. No, uh, give up. Won, yeah, I gave no, up on that last year. It's not forever, happening. Right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, but yeah, I, I would expect them to try to bring Hannah back because he's become so good as a blocker. I know people wonder why he doesn't catch footballs. There's not a lot of footballs to go around. So, um, and, and even less this year. Uh, so, so, but, uh, but Hannah's a guy I think they'll try and bring back. And then, of course, yeah, we know there, there are a bunch of underutilized assets at tight end already. Right. All right. Uh, offensive line. And I guess we could look at it from the point of view of, let's, let's just say in general, how much do you think the Cowboys need to augment this offensive line? We know that Chaz Green is is there, and he's their potential replacement for Doug Free. They have Brown, who's been active for the majority of the year as a swing tackle. Um, the interior of the line, I guess they're going to be losing uh, Bernardo. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? That's pretty much it. Uh, Larry is the other one. Yeah, right. Larry, that's that's the name that I, that I was forgetting. Larry's a restricted free agent, uh, so you, there has to be questions on whether or not they'll bring him back to be the main guard understudy, because uh, it's obviously uh, Leo Collins' job for the next ten years if he if he wants it. Um, yeah. So th- so I guess that's the big question mark. Do you see the Cowboys going there in? Well, f- I, I, let's let's separate it. Free agency for me is more so the 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 way that I could see them going. Um, as far as, you know, like a, in comparison of a, of a top pick, a, a priority pick in the first three or four rounds. Um, so that, so what's your opinion on that? Do you think that they would do something in free agency? Do you think they would do something in the draft? Which is your preference? The only one that I, that I really could see them addressing. Um, so Bernardo has been around. He's been a significant investment for them, but they can dress one guy that can back up both interior guard positions and center. And it's center that's the key spot there. Uh, Travis Frederick has proven incredibly durable, incredibly talented, incredibly reliable, uh, wonderful ambassador for the team, all of those things. But if Travis turns an ankle, I think that whether or not they address center um, in free agency or with a mid to late draft pick, I think tells you about whether or not they think any of these other guys can snap football. So we saw Martin uh, snapping balls in OTAs. Uh, and they've done it with Leary as well. If they can get one of those guys to the point that they think that if Travis Frederick went down for a bit, that one of those guys could slide over to center, then I don't expect them to make any moves really at all. Doug Free's going to be here. Uh, he's not very expensive. And they'll find out what they have, you know, what, what Chaz Green is coming off his injury. They obviously drafted Chaz Green, spent a premium pick on him to be the swing tackle. And, uh, and whether Chaz is the future at right tackle, which I'm sure they hope, uh, but in the event of injury, even if Chaz's screen wasn't ready to be the swing tackle, we know that they could slide Collins or Martin out there to right tackle if they had to. And, uh, right. and while, while you know the old Parcellsism, don't screw up two positions to fix one, um, if they had to, they have personnel that can play it. So, uh, yeah, I don't really expect, um, you know, mid to late draft pick, maybe, maybe a, you know, a mid – mid to bargain type of free agent that can give them some backup snaps. But if they don't, if they feel like one of these guys can snap the football, then I think they just tender Leary 
and uh, and away they go. You know, Leary replaces replaces Bernardo as the backup for all three interior spots, and uh, and they're off and running. So I expect probably a lot more of Leary uh, snapping the football in, during the offseason activities. All right, good deal. Uh, it, it looks like we're going to need to shell the defensive side for next week, and fortunately, we're, we still have three weeks left in the season, so we have plenty of time to discuss this. But the final of offensive position that we're going to discuss today, wide receiver. We all know what Dez is. He's had an off year. It is what it is. We know he's a true number one, the type of person that, that defensive scheme around, so we know we're set there. The rest of the wide receiver position, I think, has gotten a little bit exposed. So talk to me about on a scale of one to 10, what is the need to bring in help at the wide receiver position for you? And, and so here's an interesting thing. As we look toward the off season and uh, draft and free agency, I like to try and identify positions where there is not youth developing behind the starters. Um, you know, I, I think a good sign of, of good drafting is when you re-sign less of your own guys because, because there's an adequate replacement on hand. So then the question so, and I think we've we've hit on position groups where there isn't youth developing, running back. There's no there's no young feature starter there. Quarterback, there's none. Uh, you know, offensive line, you've got youth, and at tight end, you do. At wide receiver, I think it's a very subjective call as to whether or not you think that Devin Street and Bryce Butler are going to improve enough to be contributors beyond what they are now. And next year's the year for Street, right? take a step yep. forward in year three or take a step off the roster. Uh, exactly. And Butler, Butler's at that same point in his career, uh, even though he hasn't been here, where take a step forward or take a step out. And so I think, I think it's up around a seven or eight that they bring a wide receiver in here. Um, I think their overwhelming preference would be through the draft, though. I don't know that there's a free agent unless he's a kick returner. Um, obviously, we saw, we saw kick return issues, but now Lucky seems like he's taken over returns start to have some big returns he's not putting them on the ground so i think there's a good chance that by next season he's cemented both the kickoff and punt return roles which is what they envisioned for him when they drafted him to begin with um, right you know, exactly we, we've seen him work in the offense but he was supposed to be harris's replacement as a returner what developed over the summer was him fighting footballs uh like the karate kid out there right so that was uh it, all of a sudden it's wax on wax off and and uh lucky Lucky went from plan A to plan nothing uh, for right. a few weeks, but until they could trust him again. Um, and so, but I think that Lucky ends up securing that. I so, and I think they're probably at their Smurf quota between you know as people look at draft picks, uh, you know prospects. There are some good receiving prospects out there that are small, but we know that the Cowboys template has been that six one six two one ninety plus type of receiver that can play outside typically when they want receivers. Um, as far as little guys, you've got Lucky, you've got Cole, and if, if for some reason Lucky and Cole were unavailable, we know that Terrence and Dez have both made plays out of the slot before. So right. I, don't, I don't think when they, look at a, when they look at a guy in the draft, I, could all, I would almost cross off the little ones, um, you know, the Farrell Coopers of South Carolina and, uh, and here in state. Um, you're going to hear a lot about Coleman's name. Baylor makes it so – flipping difficult to look at a receiver because they ask him to do one thing all day. Um, but uh, but those guys that are in the 5'10 range are probably not the type of receivers they look for. I think far more likely they're looking at guys like Treadwell and Dotson and guys guys that look um, in that mold, you know, that can play outside. Because what we saw was with Des gone, 
there was no one that could, could create for themselves enough separation for to make these receivers let balls go. I mean, these quarterbacks. So these receivers were frustrated because they felt like they were working open. But, uh, you know, I don't think that – and we talked about this during this whole slide. I don't think the Cowboys receivers vanished. I think the ability to anticipate routes vanished. And right. so when all of a sudden there was – you have quarterbacks that can only throw to where they are and not throw to a void and lead them and throw them open, essentially – um, they made everyone look worse, right? Oh, we saw Terrence look terrible and could vanish. We saw Devin Street look awful, and and you know, and people think he's never open and all of those things. With competent quarterback play, we know that we've seen Romo elevate receivers that were very pedestrian guys to greater heights for a decade. And so, yeah, for a decade. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we get spoiled by it, and all of a sudden we think the receivers are terrible. They're the same guys they've always been, right? It, it was just. It's a much different uh, processing speed and mechanic that's going on in terms of delivering them footballs. But I think that they saw that without Dez, there isn't a one. There isn't even a future one, right? There's not even someone that's near a one, you know? So uh, so if they take a receiver, again, I would expect that to be more of a premium pick. Um, if they're going to draft one, I think they're going to go after a guy that – could step in if Dez was down. And they'll just take advantage of the cheap years, and then they'll figure out that problem when they have to, you know, four years down the road when that rookie contract comes up. You know, at that point, what are they doing with Dez? And, you know, maybe they've got a guy that can step in as a one if if they decide they're at a point in Dez's contract that it doesn't make sense to continue on. You know, God willing, he's healthy and productive for the next four years, and it's not a problem. But we know how that works as players age, right? So, so at any rate, I, I think I think receivers one where I expect to see some movement in that group. Someone someone added, but I think I, again I think I don't think that's a, that's a mid to late pick. If they add one, I think it's a guy that they think has potential to be a one in the league. And you you brought up a name that I'm very interested in, and I, I'm breaking my own rule again. But Treadwell is so interesting to me because a few years a few years ago I was on the bandwagon of Allen Robinson. Everybody knows that I call him Des Junior. Uh, he was just such an intriguing prospect, and here he is uh, in year two, leading the uh, tied for the NFL leading touchdowns with twelve. Treadwell is, I mean, he's even more of a Des clone to me. So the idea of having both of those guys lined up together. Uh, I mentioned it on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. This was the season that Roddy White was in when Atlanta decided they wanted to add Julio Jones into the mix. Now, obviously, Dez is a much more talented receiver than Roddy White is, but the principle of having two guys that are true number ones on a team together at the same time is, is, is very enticing although you would probably have to give up on a lot of defensive talent in order to get Treadwell because obviously he's going to be a top 10 pick as the best wide receiver in the draft in my estimation. So you're, you're kind of deciding, are you going to go with um, Miles Jack? Are you going to go with, uh, you know, uh, the, the defensive tackle out of, out of uh, Ole Miss? Are you going to go with the quarterback if one is there? Or are you going to go with Treadwell? The Cowboys are in such a strange position. We haven't been here since Teron Smith of really getting an upper echelon top tier guy and the possibilities are endless when it comes to that. And I'm going to use that to tease our future shows because we're going to wrap up this conversation right now. I'm looking (laughs) at my time. We're going to have to let this go. But obviously our listeners out there know what the deal is with, with my man Keith Mullins and this draft talk, this off season talk, we are going to bombard you with this stuff over the next few months. So use this as a teaser to whet your appetite my man, Mr. Mullins, thank you so much again. My co-host, my ace, my right-hand man, 
appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to join us here on Crunch Time. Always a pleasure, brother. Look forward to diving into it with you. All right, man. We'll talk again soon. Oh, man, I feel bad because I just teased the hell out of our future shows, but I'm looking at my clock. I don't want to hold you guys too long because you have a million and one other things to do. Christmas is coming up. You might have some last-minute shopping to do, but we do definitely appreciate you taking the time out of your day to rock with us here on Cowboys Crunch Time with KD. That's about it for today's show. Uh, Thank you, of course, to my guest, Fish Sports. Uh, Mike Fisher, follow him on Twitter, at Fish Sports. And, of course, Keith Mullins, follow him on Twitter, at Keith Deuces. I am, of course, KD Drummond at KD Drummond NFL. Please follow me there for all of my insights. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Cowboys Crunch Time with KD. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Uh, we have some exciting stuff coming up for you as we get ready for the offseason. Um, some very, 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 very esteemed special guests that are going to be joining the conversation over the next couple of weeks. We will not leave you disappointed ever, ever. But for now, we have to sign off. So thank you for your time. That's about it. You know how we do. Vortex, bouncing the jigger in California.